This week on Grape Encounters Radio. When you open a bottle, just like when you put a movie in the DVD player, it is character development. That's what makes a great movie is right. character exactly. development. Yeah. And it's the same thing when you open a bottle of wine. It's good at first. You know, it's very nice. But the more you taste it, the better. Peel me a grape. Crush me some ice. Skin me a peach. Save the fuzz for my pillow. All right, and it is time for your weekly grape encounter. And man, do I have an interesting week facing me beginning in the next couple of days. Going to be up in Sonoma County and judging for the first time the Sunset International Wine Competition. Of course, Sarah Schneider, wine editor from Sunset Magazine, on this show most every week. Actually, she's not on this week, but we are going to have her on next week. We're going to be talking about the competition and, in fact, going to be walking you through the entire competition. You're going to meet a lot of the judges that are going to be there. There will be amazing people there. Among the amazing people, my gosh, I was so lucky today to be able to get into the studio. He was on his way from Los Angeles to San Francisco. He is Chris Sawyer. You've heard him on Grape Encounters before when we talk about pairing wines with movies, the Academy Award nominees. We've had Chris on a couple of times, but Chris is an internationally renowned sommelier, wine educator, journalist, consultant, critic, public speaker, all around good guy. He's got more stories than you could possibly imagine. He's been on just about every conceivable television news program imaginable and lots of print as well. And Chris, welcome. Thank you very much. Oh, God. You didn't you didn't mention I'm a wine judge too, and I, I that's one thing well, I take a lot of pride now in. Now wait a second. I said Chris, I said that there are gonna be all these interesting judges Man. there, and among them, you are gonna be there. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite competitions of them all, and I'm so glad that you're a part of it too, David. Yeah, my first time I'm I'm really excited about it. I said to Sarah, I said, Hey, how come you never invite me to be a judge at the competition? And she says, Would you want to come? <laughs> yeah, of course. So anyway, I'll be there. It's going to be amazing. You know, it's really one of those intensive things. You're going to have thousands of wines from all over the world. It's not just from California or even the United States, but, you know, Australia, New Zealand, old world, new world. Wow. There's so many things. And the, the greatest thing is that you'll never know the wine you're going to taste. You will know the categories. You will know that this is a, say, a Cabernet category. But uh, one thing that Sunset doesn't do, they don't tell you the prices on them. So it's going to be interesting because you're going to be tasting wines very objectively and and having to take them one at a time and really, you know, put your heart and soul into each one of them. And it's a situation, you know, I've been doing it for about 19 years now, of major, major wine competitions. And this one's very special to me because Sunset Magazine is such a, a great publication. But you have to get to know your team. You have to get to know uh, what you're going to be tasting that day. You have to understand that there are a lot of different interpretations of that same grape variety if it's Sauvignon Blanc or right. it's a Chardonnay or maybe we're tasting Pinot Noirs at a, a different style but it is a uh, it's an intensive thing and uh, you know I always pride myself in saying I'm a, I'm a professional spitter you know it's it's <laughs> yeah. hard and there, there's some of those wines you wish you could just can we just kick back and have a glass of this because it right. tastes so good so my first judging experience I was actually judging believe it or not sweet reds Ooh. And sweet reds on a hot day. So 
I didn't do a lot of spitting. It was sort of recreational to me, actually. Yeah. I was having a good time. And I think after about wine number 200, I realized that this was the most uncomfortable I'd ever felt drinking wine. Yeah. But that spitting is super important. Yeah. You know, a lot of people ask me that, like, what's, uh, what, you know, what do you do? And to be really honest, we eat as much food as possible. It's really bland stuff. I mean, we have good breakfast. And I'll tell you one thing for Sunset Magazine, you eat well. I mean, you've got food editors with with us too. You've got all these people. I've, we're, we're doing recipes from their greatest books. Margot True. Uh, Margot True. One uh, of the coolest. She's a saint. Most brilliant people in the food business. I say the food business, but the food journalism business. And yeah, she has great taste. Yeah. But the food that we're having at the table has to be fairly bland. Right. So it's a bread, very bland cheese. Uh, when we get into reds, we're tasting a little bit more fairly raw, bloody roast beef, you know. Well, I actually requested, and I I think I'm going to be able to pull it off, lasagna. Uh, at my table. So you may want to come okay. over to my table. Yeah. For... Interesting. <laughs> okay. If we can get it, I'll tell you one of the most ex- interesting things that you'll ever experience is actually how well celery works with white wines. Really? And no one believes me until they try it. And they're like, oh, wow, it cleans my palate out every single time. And the other thing is that we have these Graber olives. They're from down in Riverside. I love and them. Oh, they, you can become yeah. a junkie on, on Graber olives. They're a little expensive, I must say, um, for a can, but when you get kind of a whole source coming in and you go, can I get some more Grabers? Can I get... They have those at the LA International Competition as well. It is and an amazing... I think I ate like 500 of those olives. Uh, it's so an amazing good. sensation. And the nice thing is they send you home with a couple of cans. So good. Even better. Yeah. All right. Talking to Chris Sawyer, who has stopped by the Grape Encounter studio. You were surprised to see the wine bar here. I don't think you knew about that. I thought it was fantastic. We had some good times in there just this afternoon. And I, hey, kudos to this to this whole town. I mean, I think I, I'm really excited about this little province. Town of Atascadero. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually midway, exactly midway between San Francisco and Los Angeles, of course, in the Central Coast wine country. And Atascadero. Atascadero, a little more laid-back town, but a beautiful town. It was actually founded as a utopian town. And Understood. so people came here. They lived in tents for a while until their houses could get built. But it's got a very, very interesting history that began with E.G. Lewis, who was mm. a publishing magnate who actually was bigger than William Randolph Hearst at one time. And Hearst, of course, was his neighbor just down the street. We have a Hearst Castle, which is within about 30 miles of here. So it has a crow flies even closer than that. So anyway, we're talking today about wine competitions, wine medals, wine scores. How important is that to you? Because if there's one place where you can waste a ton of money, it's buying wine. Because when you go into any other kind of store and you buy a product, you can touch it, feel it. If it's closed, you can try it on. You can get more intimate with the product than you can with the wine because the wine is locked inside the bottle. And unless you're going to a tasting room where you can actually taste the wine, in most cases, and for most consumers, you're stuck with either trusting what's on the label, which you know could be some kind of image that's been painted of the wine, which is how a lot of people judge wines. Not a good idea, I would say. Bad idea. But secondly, there will oftentimes be scores or there'll be a shelf talker that talks about the wine. And maybe if it's a smaller wine shop, they will have written about it or there are going to be medals. And so let's begin, Chris, with the medals. 
and the notion that not everybody enters competitions and what kind of disadvantage does that put some good winemakers at? Well, you know, there's a there's a lot of different styles of wine out there and there's wineries that are so small that they just don't have enough to sell. And if they get in competitions, especially with Sunset Magazine where you've got 6 million readers and then followers outside of that, you've got a problem that you cannot meet demands there. So a lot of small ones, that's a choice they have to make. But then again, the trade-off is if you want some exposure, there's nothing better than a great publication like Sunset Magazine magazine. So that's a starting point. So there's decisions that are made by the wineries. You know, is it worth our while to submit our wines to be judged? The great thing, what separates competitions from the magazines that use the 100-point scale in most cases is that there can be wines that you might know of that get a terrible score, and it's going to hurt them for a long time. To be really honest, we don't even talk about the wines that we don't rate. And that's a good thing because if we gave something a very low 80s or 70 or something like that, it's just basically not good. It's it's going to hurt that winery for a long time. That's not how a competition like this works. A bronze medal, the base bronze medal. If you get one, that means it's a really good wine for what it is. Is it a Merlot? Is it a Pinot? Is it a Chardonnay? That's a great thing. A silver medal? Ooh, now you're talking. That's a really nice example of a great Bordeaux-style blend or a Zinfandel that really gives you like that nice heartiness and, and wonders inside the mouth and with the aromas, everything involved in that. The gold, on the other hand, is something that tastes like you're getting so much out of every sip and it's just the complexity, the the marvelous wonder of smelling that wine and how it follows through, the long finish. All of these things are going to make so many people so happy. And sometimes you get the double golds, which are so rare for all the judges first try to actually say all gold the first round. Wow. What a great explanation of medals. That's very well put. Anyway, we're talking to Christopher Sawyer, internationally renowned sommelier based in Sonoma. Based in the little town of Petaluma. Petaluma, Sonoma County. I was born and raised in Sonoma County. So wherever you put me in Sonoma County, I've got something to do with it. And you are involved with so many amazing projects. We've got to take a quick breather here. We've got to refill our glasses. By the way, Christopher, sipping on a glass that I poured, I love to pour wine blind. And we're going to talk about how important that is. Also, in just a moment, we're going to see what Christopher feels about this wine, which I have just been evaluating myself. I've never had it before. When we return with Grape Encounters Radio. While you're letting the wine breathe, Facebook us at facebook.com forward slash Grape Encounters Radio. More Grape Encounters next. If you make April your month to do some California wine tasting, your friends will surely be green with envy. That's because throughout the month of April, California wines aren't just red, white, and rosé. In April, you'll discover just how green California wines are, too. April is California Wines Down to Earth Month, and wineries all over the state are celebrating the state's leadership in sustainable wine growing with fun and educational events everywhere you turn. California has one of the most widely adopted sustainable wine growing programs in the world, with more than 70% of California's wine growers and winemakers committed to practices that benefit the environment, employees, and neighbors, and best of all, the quality of the wine is simply superb. 
From Earth Day wine and food festivals and green wine trails to vineyard hikes and horseback rides and special tastings, find out more at discovercaliforniawines.com. Just click on the tab that says April is Earth Month at discovercaliforniawines.com. For years, I seem to pour more wine down the drain than into my glass. I love great wine, but hate how quickly it goes bad. Now, for about the cost of a few good bottles, I pour as much as I want of whatever I want, whenever I want, with my Coravin from GrapeEncounters.com. Take a sip today, have a glass next month, and save the rest for a few years without removing the cork. Enjoy wine on your own terms with the remarkable Coravin from GrapeEncounters.com. Nestled between world-class Paso Robles and San Luis Obispo wine countries, the warm and inviting city of Atascadero is the humble heart of the Central Coast. With access to endless wine country adventures, including wine and olive oil tasting tours, artisan farm experiences, food, wine, and cultural events, historic Atascadero's cozy and oh-so-friendly atmosphere make it the perfect home base for Central Coast tourists. Discover more about the heart of the Central Coast at visitatascadero.com. You're having a grape encounter with David Wilson. What a way to spend the day. There are losers and women, just like you and me, losers and women. Encounters Radio, and absolutely, totally delighted to have in the studio Christopher Sawyer. He's been featured on USA Today, MSN, NBC, ABC, CBS, Red Book, The Hollywood Reporter, Maxim, National Geographic Traveler, CNN, Esquire, and posed in Playgirl. Yeah, no. of course. Of <laughs> no. course I did. Yeah, Wine no Guy Magazine. You were the centerfold for Wine Guy. Anyway, Indeed. nice to have you here. Thank we're you gonna, We're going to actually have a lot of fun in a couple of days. We'll be up in your stomping grounds, right? Yep, Sonoma County, especially in Carneros right there, where we were just talking about the wind of Carneros and what makes it special. It's a special area. It's the southern part of Sonoma County. As we were kind of talking about earlier, too, you know, Sunset Magazine was based in Menlo Park, one of the most historic buildings I've ever been in. And we used to go down in that cellar and have the greatest times. And when they did their big celebration weekend, which is coming up right, um, yeah. this next month as well, which we're very excited about, that was a great thing. And I took my family there last year because it was their last year at that place in Menlo Park. Yeah, pretty that's historic. A, that's a bad thing in some ways because anyone that had been to their headquarters would know that it was a very special place. However, when you set up your new building right there at uh, Jack London Square in Oakland, which is an amazing place to go to, and then your wine program is kind of based in Sonoma County and Cornerstone, which is going to be a big deal in the years to come. It is a very accessible area for those of you from the East Coast or middle of America, you fly into San Francisco and you just come right up uh, Highway 101. And really, it's one of the gateways to all of wine country. You drive right by Cornerstone. And it's sitting right there by Gloria Ferrer. It's across the street from Gloria Ferrer Sparkling Wine House. And it is a fantastic place. But you just get the landscape changes when you get into wine country up there. And it's going to be a great experience for you, David. But let's talk now about competitions and how important they are to the consumer. 
because no doubt if you walk into a wine shop, whether it's a packaged goods store, a grocery store, wherever you get your wine, if there's any substantial amount of wine there, you're going to see wines that have either a little sticker that they want a medal or maybe the shelf talker, that little card that talks about the wine will reference the medal or maybe you're just checking the wine out on your cell phone. So you talked a moment ago about the importance of medals and how a bronze medal is good and silver is better and gold is awesome. It's awesome. Let's talk about the blind tasting component of competitions because this is something that I think a lot of people don't understand that in the good competitions, you don't know what you're drinking. Yeah. And that's very important. Exactly. It's all blind. It is brought out to us on carts. Um, These glasses are numbered. Sunset does these little discs that sit kind of around the stem of the glass with numbers on them. We will never see that name. Uh, We won't find out until you all find out. And um, that's going to be published at some point from Sunset Magazine. But I think where it starts is once we get those wines in front of us, it could be a flight of six wines to about 10 to 11 wines. And one right after another after another. They're they're in a row. They're they're not brought out individually. They're brought out in flights. But I'm I'm saying the flights, you'll have one flight and then you just get through with that one and you're on to the next. Yeah. And you have to plan your your day out. You get a a list of what you're going to be tasting that day and you kind of have to make a a decision right there at the very beginning. Okay. We're going to taste through this. We're going to taste through that. And then we're going to take our break at lunch. You know, we got to do a lot of work before lunch. Um, It's really important. But once again, like I said, Sunset Magazine, the food is really good. So we will eat well at lunch and then we'll come back and then we'll go through a whole new phase, different varieties, different scopes of what styles of wine these are. Uh, I mean, they could be international. We don't know um, at this point. And what's very important, you mentioned this in the first segment. What's very important is the idea that you don't know the price range on the wines. And sometimes that can be very shocking in terms of the results. I will say this. I, I don't know the behind the scenes. I think that they group them very accordingly. I think they are in groups. Oh, yeah, some, in terms some, of range, yeah. Yeah, yeah they're not going to be all over the place at all. And that, that's, um, but they just, you know, they don't want to tell us that as much as they want us to focus on the variety. Is this the variety or is this the kind of blend that you would pay money for? Does it deliver more than you would ever expect? And that's what those golds are about, is looking for those things. And more importantly, and going back to what judging is about, it's about teamwork. So the average number, sometimes you'll get five on a team, but you always have an odd number because you have to have the majority wins. And sometimes people will think two will be gold medal and the other one will say that it's a bronze. And you have to talk. You have to really work as a team. Like, what did you not get out of that? Or why did you two like that so much? So there's a lot of listening. I feel like a lawyer sometimes where I have to take a lot of notes and I've got a darn good case. I'm going to I'm gonna talk about this wine. And to be really honest, those are the ones that I take the most notes on because I really want to make sure that this gets what it deserves because it's a special wine to me and I hope they feel that way too. But we won't know until we get past tasting the flight by itself, individually, all in the hush-hush. And then, you know, the person leading the panel will say, okay, Chris Sawyer, 
what is your score? And I'll say, that's a silver. And Kimberly Charles, what is your score? And she might say a gold. And Christian Regano, this was our team last year, who's a great winemaker from the Nevins family down in San Luis Obispo area. He will say, I liked it a lot. I'm going to give it a gold as well. And so this is where you start with that one wine. And we will probably come back to that because that looks like it's doing extremely well. And we need to talk about that wine. Why is it important to us? And why is it important to this table. But that's what I kind of, I want to go back to what you were saying too. What do the consumers get out of this? A lot of the reviews you get are from individual people that are shelf talkers. Right. What is the difference here with these kinds of competitions is you have three to five panelists that really feel strong about this. And you're talking about very astute palates that, that well, this is what I wanted with to ask you is, is you know? at, a, at a competition like this, and I, and I don't want to limit this conversation just to sunset because yeah. there are lots of great competitions. There are a lot of them. I, you judge probably the San Francisco Chronicle competition. A lot the, of them. I judge the, about 15. The LA competition. These are all competitions that get the best of the best palettes that come from the winemaking world, that come from the world of sommeliers, that come from the world of journalists. Yeah, I mean, you name Retailers, it. Retailers. Um, there are no slouches in the group other than myself, you know, because I'm a rabble rouser. David, come on. <laughs> but, but you know what I'm saying? These are people who have great instincts and understanding of wine that are sitting together and they're a jury. And they've got to come to a decision. And that decision is going to significantly impact the success of that wine. Significantly. Absolutely. It is a group effort. Great awards are given by a group, not an individual. All right. So I have a couple of very important questions I need to ask you, but I want you to take a couple more sips of that white wine that's sitting in front of you, Christopher Sawyer. By the way, I want to plug your website really quickly. The website is really awesome and a lot of links to other really interesting things. And that address is SawyerSom.com and that's Som like sommelier with two M's so Sawyer Tom Sawyer Som S-O-M-M dot com Okay, don't get lost on that website just yet because we're going to continue our conversation with Christopher Sawyer Stay with us Your Grape Encounter continues You'll find Grape Encounters Radio located at the corner of Fermented and Demented You do have a GPS, don't you? Yeah, wise guy, eh? Living in and broadcasting from one of the world's finest wine regions makes it virtually impossible not to make frequent references to the multitude of amazing things going on here on the central coast of California. Grape Encounters Radio has built one of the world's most unique wine bars so that you can have the opportunity to come to the city of Atascadero and enjoy great wines and equally good conversation with me and other visitors. Best of all, my favorite hotel in the area is literally right across the street, the historic Carlton Hotel with accommodations that are both beautiful and affordable. The Carlton Hotel takes you back to a glorious time in California history. And now that the wine industry has ushered in yet another exciting new chapter here on the Central Coast, you can experience the best of then and now. Book your accommodations at the lovingly restored Carlton Hotel in Atascadero. Then, let me help you plan daily excursions that will create a lifetime of unforgettable memories. You'll find a link to the Carlton Hotel at GrapeEncounters.com. For years, I seem to pour more wine down the drain than into my glass. I love great wine, but hate how quickly it goes bad. Now, for about the cost of a few good bottles, I pour as much as I want of whatever I want, whenever I want, with my Coravin from GrapeEncounters.com. 
take a sip today, have a glass next month, and save the rest for a few years without removing the cork. Enjoy wine on your own terms with the remarkable Coravin from GrapeEncounters.com. As a lifetime wine lover, I think I own practically every conceivable wine gizmo and gadget. Now I've put together a collection of some of my very favorite things so that you can take your wine obsession to the next level, just like me. From functional to pure fun, check out my favorite things by clicking the store banner at GrapeEncounters.com. That's Grape Encounters, like CloseEncounters.com. photography, cell phones, and the use of pretentious language is strictly prohibited while listening to Grape Encounters Radio. Alrighty, back with Grape Encounters Radio, and if you have any desire to be in the wine business, in any aspect of the wine business, I should say, I would think that the one person that you'd most want to be is Christopher Sawyer. <laughs> he is sitting here in the studio. He is an awesome sommelier. He's extremely high profile. You see him everywhere whenever anybody wants to talk about the most obscure subjects in the wine business or the most mainstream. Christopher is on everybody's go-to list. Glad to have you here, Christopher. Thank the you very first much. First time in person. I know. We've, we've done uh, some great shows together, and here we are just hanging out and sipping on some wine. And having a good time and getting ready. I got a good setup here, don't I? You do. I don't think listeners really believe me when I tell them that. I mean, some listeners. I really do have a wine bar here. You really do. I I can vouch for him 100%. And I came down this little street. I was not, you know, it seems like not really a super name for a street. It's, um, you know, Traffic Way. Um, We call it Terrific Way. Yeah. And he calls it Terrific Way. And and I found out why. It's great. And your wine selection here is fantastic. Did you get a chance to check it out? I did. All right. Well, we try to use good instinct. Well, here's the thing. I don't carry any wine in the wine store that I wouldn't feel 100% comfortable defending. the same way I felt on every wine list I've ever designed. Yeah, exactly. It may not necessarily be my taste, but I will find something wonderful to appreciate about that. All right. So let's continue on. Oh, no. Before we do that, this white wine in front of you. So what do you think about that? I'm getting, you know, I what I love about this white wine and the swirl effect, I, I just think that the nose is um, leading me in interesting directions and I'm not sure. Let me Let me ask you one question. All right. Go ahead. Is it 100% one varietal? Yes. I'm going to say... I say yes, I'm pretty sure. And I'm going to just say my guess, and it might not be right, but it's just because the texture, and I love that melon note to it. It has a very nice lime note to it Yes, definitely. But I'm going to say it is Pinot Blanc. And it would have been a good guess. And you hear me unveiling it now. I'm taking the tissue I have wrap this up. And uh, by the way, we do want to talk about the utter and complete importance of tasting blind like this. Yes. So here is the wine. It is 
Oh, it's Mueller Turgau. Yes. Oh man. Okay, that that makes sense. Mueller Turgau is an interesting grape variety. It used to actually kind of be uh, successful here in in the United States. And I'll say one thing: I was just with Chuck Hansen down at High Time, best wine cellar on the planet in, the, in, in, in the Newport plan- Beach, California. And, and, yeah. and he was telling me the story. I was doing a little article on him, and uh, it was a one. It was supposed to be about a half an hour interview. It ended up being three hours of him and I talking because he had so much to say. I- I couldn't stop listening to this man. But he said, you know, Chris, in the early days, everyone just wanted German uh, wines. And he, he had some problems, too, because they had to be shipped along the Panama Canal. And a lot of them came here ruined, which was not good. But Mueller Turgau is one of those grape varieties. It's a very German kinds of, you know, the, it used to come here because Riesling was very popular. You know, at the same time, Chenin Blanc was very popular. We don't really talk about those varieties as much as we used to, but that is a very great offering. And that's all I could guess is is something that's probably available, but you don't find much Mueller Turgau out there. And I guess where this wine was made, by the way. That's a hard one. This I, is going to get it. This is going to get even more interesting. I. It's Italian. It's Italian. It's Italian. Yeah. Italian, German, here in yeah. America. There you have it. Okay. All Ooh. right. Let's go back to wine competitions Just for a second. Kidding. Everybody knows I preach this. If you don't do this, shame on you for not doing this. When you're trying wine, especially when you're sitting around and just kind of getting to know some wines with friends, for Pete's sake, hide the wine, cover up the label, don't look at it, don't let that prejudice you because you might be shocked at how much you enjoy something you didn't think that you were going to enjoy. I completely agree. It's, um, you know, I, I'll say this. I mean, you were tasting some of the Lassiter family wines that oh, I brought. Awesome wines. So John Lassiter from Pixar and, and his wife Nancy are fanatics for great wines. And, uh, I've been working with them as their sommelier for 20 years. But, um, I'll tell you one thing. If you go to their house and it's Francis Ford Coppola or Steve Jobs or whoever it might be as your guest there, that main dish is going to be a blind tasting dish. And, it's my pairing or John's pairing and it's not exposed until the end of that dish. You know, you can start them off with some great stuff, but it is the playfulness and wonder of not knowing what you're tasting and actually spending more time and thinking about that wine. And it's kind of the same thing, you know, when you and I talked about movies and wine that I always believe when you open a bottle, just like when you put a movie in the DVD player, it is character development. That's what makes a great movie. Right. Character exactly. development. Yeah. And it's the same thing when you open a bottle of wine. It's good at first. You know, it's very nice. But the more you taste it, the better. And that leads me into one of my processes um, when we're doing the, the competition. When I taste the wines, I've got a flight right there of 10 wines. The first one I smell, mm, that smells great. I'm going to taste it and then I'm going to spit it. And then I'm going to write my notes on that. Then I'm going to smell the second one. And then I'm going to do one first thing here. I'm going to taste it, spit it, and then I'm going to get real about the taste. And the reason for that is... Wait, wait, wait. What what does that mean, get real about the taste? Okay, because the first wine on the the flight has the advantage of your palate is very clear. Right. The second wine has been influenced by the 
the tasting of the first first one. And that's why you have to almost recalibrate your palate when you taste that second wine. So you give it all your, so it becomes its own wine. And what I find, especially when people go to tasting rooms, um, just regular people going to tasting rooms and they taste a wine and they're, oh, that's so good. And then they taste the second wine and they don't really like it, but they just taste it once. And that's not what you should do. You should actually taste it twice because the reason is you have to get your palate back in order to really give this it. This is such an important point. It, it's You have and, to really focus. I can't tell you how many times somebody will come into the Grape Encounters Emporium, the wine bar. They'll take a sip of the wine and they're a little ambivalent about it. Not sure. So they start to make a judgment at that moment. They say, I don't know if that's my taste. And I always tell them, hang on a second, come back and taste it in just a moment. And they do. And here's what they say. You know this. They say, oh, it changed in the glass. Well, it did change in the glass a little bit. And that can happen, obviously. But also, your palate just acclimated. It's like, here, I'll give you a metaphor. It's like you're going to repaint a room in the house. You come in, you put the coat of primer on. That's that first taste. Now come back and you put the final coat of paint on. Yes. Is that a good metaphor? It's a wonderful you, you metaphor. Can, you can use that if you want to. Thank you. I'll, okay. I'll coin that. <laughs> okay. um, no, I, I just think that that's, we, we have to give every wine justice. And, and I mean, we have to taste them as individuals, even though they're in flights. And that's the way to do it. And I think for everyone at home that's listening to, you know, don't just taste a wine once and say, oh, I don't like that. Give it that second taste because it means that much more to your palate. So let me ask you this. When the results come out and they're published or they're made available to you, and sometimes that's in advance of them going out to the public, how quickly do you want to dive into those results and see what that fabulous wine that you had on Wednesday at 3.30 in the afternoon, what that wine was? I keep every one of my note sheets um, that I take my notes. I want to see who the heck made that one and what did I write down about that wine and how it matches up with it and how I can promote it because I think it was a fantastic wine and maybe it just got a gold and that's cool. Sometimes when you have a team and and we send one to the sweepstakes round, um, this is not one that has a sweepstakes round, but when you have some like the North Coast Wine Challenge that I just did or the San Francisco Chronicle, San Francisco Chronicle, you've got 65 finishing wines. That's your last round. And one of those 40 or 35 reds is going to win best red in the nation. Yeah. And um, that's a hard thing when you, you're raising your hand and you can only vote for three. So you do your best, but I want to know the ones I taste on my panel. I want to befriend them very, very much. Live and in the studio with me, Christopher Sawyer. Wow. He is a superstar in the world of sommeliers and the world of wine. I'm so fortunate to have you here today. I'm so glad. You're one of the guys that I have most wanted to have here. So I feel completely honored to be with you. And I can't wait until a couple of days from now when I'm with just like dozens and dozens of superstars. It's going to be like going to the Academy Awards of wine. It's amazing. All right. Grape Encounters continues for a little bit longer. We're going to keep Christopher here and hopefully send you away with some information which will make you a lot better equipped to buy wine that does not disappoint and giving you the inside track on wine competitions, wine medals, and how important those are to your decision-making process here on Grape Encounters Radio. 
If you make April your month to do some California wine tasting, your friends will surely be green with envy. That's because throughout the month of April, California wines aren't just red, white, and rosé. In April, you'll discover just how green California wines are, too. April is California Wines Down to Earth Month, and wineries all over the state are celebrating the state's leadership in sustainable wine growing with fun and educational events everywhere you turn. California has one of the most widely adopted sustainable wine growing programs in the world, with more than 70% of California's wine growers and winemakers committed to practices that benefit the environment, employees, and neighbors. And best of all, the quality of the wine is simply superb. From Earth Day wine and food festivals and green wine trails to vineyard hikes and horseback rides and special tastings, find out more at discovercaliforniawines.com. Just click on the tab that says April is Earth Month at discovercaliforniawines.com. For years, I seem to pour more wine down the drain than into my glass. I love great wine, but hate how quickly it goes bad. Now, for about the cost of a few good bottles, I pour as much as I want of whatever I want, whenever I want, with my Coravin from GrapeEncounters.com. Take a sip today, have a glass next month, and save the rest for a few years without removing the cork. Enjoy wine on your own terms with the remarkable Coravin from GrapeEncounters.com. Nestled between world-class Paso Robles and San Luis Obispo wine countries, the warm and inviting city of Atascadero is the humble heart of the Central Coast. With access to endless wine country adventures, including wine and olive oil tasting tours, artisan farm experiences, food, wine, and cultural events, historic Atascadero's cozy and oh-so-friendly atmosphere make it the perfect home base for Central Coast tourists. Discover more about the heart of the Central Coast at visitatascadero.com. Big, fun, and chatty. This is Grape Encounters Radio. Here's David Wilson. And I've got wine on my mind all the time. Holy smoke, time flies when you're having fun. I don't know that I've had as much fun as I have the last couple of hours before we went on the air and in the time that we've sat here with Christopher Sawyer. But man, what a pleasure to be with you, Chris. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, it's been a, an interesting week going to Hospice to Rhone, going to Santa Barbara, taste through some of those wines, being in L.A. with all these great sommeliers, and then coming back to see you, David. This is great. And I, and I appreciate that, but let's, let's wrap it up and make sure that people have a takeaway from today's program. We were talking about the importance of tasting blind. There's one question that I am dying to ask you because different people have different opinions about this, but when you're judging a wine, you're on a panel, and you know you're judging, let's say, Cabernet. You taste this wine, the number three wine, and it is the most delicious thing you've ever put in your mouth, but it does not taste like Cabernet. What do you do? Well, um, that's a good question. There is a term called varietally correct right. VC, and sometimes I just can't give that wine a very good score because it's a good wine, but it's not Cabernet. And there's just too much other stuff in there. And you can tell sometimes, you know, they've added all this other stuff in there, and it just doesn't taste like what, what okay, you but, pay for. But, that, but that's, a different, that's a different topic altogether. First of all, when I taste a wine and I can taste those additives and especially added acid. I can tell it in, in a second. In you know, it tastes horrible. Or too and, much oak or just like 
Yeah, whatever it like is. Like covering up the actual fruit, you know? Well, yeah, but you can tell that and you know it's kind of like looking at somebody who is wearing a lot of makeup and ha- has had work done. You can tell they've had work done and you really suspect what they really would look like if they hadn't had the work done. This wine has had work done. But I'm talking about a wine that in its purest sense is just mind-bogglingly delicious and it hasn't had work done it's just gorgeously made wine but it doesn't taste like your typical varietal that you're judging well first thing it's got to be in balance it's got to taste like not just the varietal but it's got to have good acidity it's got to have balanced tannins it's got to have flavors that just make you want to keep sipping this wine if you could uh, no, not when you're judging, but you have to super analyze that so fast. But it depends on how much you really, really love that. I mean, you can give that. That seems like one that might get a silver to me. It's very good, but it's not really showing what Cabernet or Merlot or Zinfandel would really taste like if you just really wanted. Okay. There's a lot of wine. There's a lot of wine making, and that's exactly the term you would use. And it, it comes out too. It's the same term that we use when we talk about. Um, aromas and bouquet. And this is a really good thing. And if, if you learned anything from this show today, aromas and bouquet, very different. Aromas are what smell like the grape. Does it smell like blueberries? Does it smell like apples or um, raspberries or pineapples? That is like what fruit smells like. That's what a grape would smell like. But how does it become, you know, woody? How did this all happen? How did the vanilla part come in? How did the butter part come in? That's called winemaker's touch. And that's the bouquet. Bouquet is the winemaker's touch, whereas the aromas are mainly the fruit things that we compare these kinds of varietals to. And sometimes when they're all in balance, when there's the good bouquet and the good aroma, and then it goes through and the finished wine is so good and it smells so great and then it tastes great and then the finish is so long that you're still tasting this wine 45 seconds later, that's a good wine that's going to get a gold medal. Okay, but I'm going to continue to be the devil's advocate. Okay. Before we went on the air, before we went on the air, we were talking about Thanksgiving, right? Yes, we were. And you were talking about the blandness of turkey. And my comment to you was, you've obviously never had my turkey. Okay. That is correct. All right. So let's say you came to my house for Thanksgiving, and which I, I, I'm inviting you now. Okay. You have my turkey and you go, oh my gosh, I've never had a turkey that tasted this good, that ever tasted like this. This is a completely new twist on turkey. I want my turkey like this for the rest of my life. Why can that not be the same case with a wine that, you know, a winemaker makes a Cabernet or, or a Merlot or a Chardonnay? or whatever. That is a huge departure from how those wines were made or are traditionally made and now comes up with this interpretation that is just mind-blowing. Why should he or she not be the new god or goddess of Cabernet? Uh, there's nothing to say he or she shouldn't be. But, I, you know, I think that that is really the goal of a great winemaker is to make their own signature style. If they just tasted like the guy down the street or the woman down the street, that would be one thing. But it, it's putting your own style inside of a bottle and making it a special brand. And for us as the judges who judge these competitions, when you find those ones, and sometimes these are brands that we don't even have any idea who these people are. And it makes 
is so intrigued, especially for me as a sommelier, as a writer, as a kind of a public figure in, in what I do. I get to share knowledge of this wine with other people. Wow. You have a whole section of your website devoted to wine competitions. Yes. And the whole judging process. So let's get that information in people's hands. And then also, I just want to stress to everybody listening that all of these competitions, and there are so many good ones, and Christopher will give you plenty of information on those competitions on his website, but they publish the results. And so when you go and you look at those results, and a lot of times they'll break it out, not just by varietal, but by price category too of the wine, most of the time, I think. So when you see those results, you know that that there has been this group of really incredible wine professionals who tasted the wines just without knowing anything about it, chose the wines very objectively. There were no biases there. They had no way of knowing under any circumstances. And you can go look at those competition results and then go buy wines. And you can do that with a great deal of confidence that you're not going to get a stinker and you're not going to blow 30 or 40 or $50. Yeah, absolutely. So give them the information so yeah, that wine, they can Wine get Judges that. Corner is a new uh, website that's just being developed right now and I think that's one to really follow and you can look it up on sawyersom.com right now there's a little story about its debut and it will cover exactly what we're doing at Sunset Magazine this weekend and from that point on all these great competitions that we do around the nation wow Hey, listen, I didn't even get a chance to tell people that you were the personal sommelier for, oh my gosh, the Getty family, the Gorbachevs. I mean, wow. We're going to just do a whole show on that. Promise Uh, me. I would love to. It was one of the greatest nights ever when I met Mikhail Gorbachev. um, And I instruct, you know, I got to teach him about the greatness of Cabernet Franc on a mountain. He really likes wine and, and does great things for charities. And that's how I got to help him. And it's the same thing with the Gettys. They are the greatest philanthropists I will ever know in my life. All right. Well, very cool. Hey, Christopher, I will see you in a couple days up in Sonoma. Christopher Sawyer, my guest today. Check him out at SawyerSom.com. It's very rhythmic. That's going to do it for Grape Encounters. We will see you back here next week, and we will take you to the Sunset International Wine Competition, so make sure you join us next week. 